Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And then also with us today, we got Tone. What up? All right. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast, fellas. Thank Glad you. to be here. Tone, you want to go ahead and kick us off? What you got to drink today? Yeah. I, uh, I found this at a little place <laughs> called Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a Victory Sour Monkey, Sour Triple. It's pretty fucking good. It's 9.5. Nice. Woo! Is it an IPA? Nine point five. Yeah, that's a six pack too, right? Yep. Usually those nine nine they come fours. in fours. Yeah. It's gonna be a good night, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a weekend. We usually record on like work days and shit. Like it's they a give you your license back after a year. Oh, of course, sweet. <laughs> All right, uh, J Bone. I got a Samuel Adams uh, seasonal a summer ale. It's a little citrusy, crispy. You like Sam Adams, right? Kind yeah, of. I'm a Sam Adams guy, and like, oh, like I said, it's a seasonal. Ninety percent of their, besides regular Sam Adams, all their crap seasonal. So, you kind of, uh, you're an old man, so you're like, back in my day, Sam Adams was. Well, no, like beer. the new shit, like the winter ale has always been there, but like that new winter snap, they have a winter ale and then a winter snap. The winter snap's fairly new, mm-hmm. and it's not that that different than the winter ale. So yeah, the 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 key to it is the the memory is like the old shit but they're just like everybody else well i got i've been having a lot more on the podcast but i got some yingling Mm. which is america's oldest brewery from pottsville i can't say that pottsville pennsylvania but yeah it's uh a lot of the country thinks well yeah yingling that's like you get it like it's with budweiser it's like a big beer everywhere but we don't get distributorship here so but my son goes to school in ohio so we've been going down there consistently so yeah I I grab some while i'm down there a couple of my uh buddies always told me I, I still never had one i mean i can give you one this ain't a real yingling it's a yingling yeah i see diet. the light but i'll try it i wasn't gonna say nothing but <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna pretend like i at least had like I, i'm basically drinking bud light <laughs> before we get started we got to make sure we take the time to thank six fold swaino for letting us use his song in the intro i gotta thank cancer for letting us use his song in the mid-roll you can follow both of them on Instagram. It's Sixfosueno, F-O-E, and Cancer is Cancer the God. The E is a three. And if you can't find them, you can get them through our website, Bad Guy Podcast, which I have all the links on there. You can follow us on our social media. We got the Instagram and TikTok are both Bad Guy Podcast. And then Twitter is the, the Bad Guy Pod. People have been hitting us up a lot more on social media. We've had a lot more interaction, and we really appreciate it. So go follow us on social media. Let us know what you think throw us some recommends but we'll go ahead and get started and the bad guy we're covering today is jefferson randolph smith the second this ain't negotiation time this is scarface final scene fucking bazookas under each arm say hello to my little friend a lot of name there a lot of name and he's gonna probably have some nicknames all right so we got jefferson randolph smith the second aka soapy smith 
He's got one more AKA. I'll let you know that when we get to it, because mm-hmm. it kind of tip off some Ooh. of the story. Okay. His name's Randy the Strangler. Like, oh, is he going <laughs> to strangle a bunch of people? <laughs> so Jefferson, he went by Jeff, was what he preferred to be called. So Jeff was born in Georgia, November 2nd, 1860. He was born into a wealthy family. His grandfather was a state legislature and plantation owner, and his father was a lawyer. And then by the conclusion of the Civil War, the family was financially ruined. Family business went under. They didn't have a pandemic, but all of a sudden they had a labor shortage. (laughs) Something happened where everything was going good, and all of a sudden business wasn't what it used to be. So in financial ruins in 1876, the family moved to Round Rock, Texas. What was the attraction from Georgia? Rich, plantation type, that type of southern people gone with the wind. What was Round Rock, Texas? Why that? Like, that seems like a weird jump. Well, Because it's pretty far west from where we start off at. So what I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, is after the South lost the Civil War, Texas was like the last of the holdouts. Like, Texas was the last place to actually It was almost like its own country back then. It still is almost like its own fucking... And, and now it's the Southwest back then. That was the West-West. So that was the frontier. Yeah. So I'm guessing for a lot of these people that were diehard Confederates and slave owners and stuff, when all that goes away, Go Texas, start a new life out West. Yeah, Texas would be the closest to... That's their California back was. then. Yeah. Probably not far off from what the uh, Mormons were doing, just trying to move further and further just out by themselves. Mm-hmm. He tried some work as a cowboy, wasn't very good at it. His mom died in 1877 when he was 17 years old. Then, in 1878, him and his cousin witnessed the shootout between Texas outlaws Sam Bass's gang and the Texas Rangers, which resulted in the death of Sam Bass. Taken Uh, aback by the picture, could that just not be a pack of beef jerky or a bottle of whiskey? That is Jack Link. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Soon after this, he moves out to Fort Worth, Texas, which he uses as a base of operations to travel town to town running short cons. He started off selling cheap trinkets and fake jewelry, and over time, he goes on to setting up rigged card games. He eventually masters sleight of hand and specializes in three-card money in the shell game. Really just any kind of little gambling that you could cheat at, he learned. Right. And what happened was he tried to be a cowboy, and he wasn't too into that, but he learned when you're out there, you know, they all get together. You know, there's these camps or these work spots where... The uh, equivalent of the yesteryear truck stop. Right. And then everybody would sit around and gamble. So he learned the shell game at one point, got got, and started learning all the tricks to gambling and just started basically going from town to town, camp to camp, conning people and hustling them for money. You know what they call that in 2022? A carnival. A carnival. That shell game right there, that's, hey, throw this ring around this bottle or knock these three little cans over that are like, oh, they're welded together, you fucking dickhead. Like, hey, man, we're packing up. We're out of here, man. (laughs) Eventually in Fort Worth, he starts putting together a small tight-knit gang. He recruited strictly intelligent specialists like pickpockets, thieves, burglars, shills, and mechanics. Specialty guys, utility guys. We could just have a gang of motherfuckers, but if you do X, you do X, I'm good at this. Now we're a fucking firm. You know what a shill is? Hmm. A shill is specializes in if we're doing a rigged poker game, our shill's going to be the guy, you know, he's the nerdy dad tourist that puts down some money and wins big. And he's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and he tries to attract other people. Yeah. So your shill is kind of like your hype man okay. that is in on it, but nobody else knows in on it. Right, so his right. job is to get the crowd into it. Like, so he'll, you know, depending on what you're doing, if you're three-card Monty, he'll pick the, you know, 
He'll pick the right card. Come on, one more seven. I get a thousand. Oh my God. I'm cashing. No, you're not getting my money back. And as soon as I leave, then you can come in. That type of dude. Yeah. Okay. So that's a shill. And then mechanics are the guys that uh, could like fix cards. So that's what they call like card mechanics. Okay. So like worm from rounders. Mm-hmm. So if you got a mechanic dealing to your shill, you got this perfect setup for all these people to come lose their money. Right. Once he gets his gang together, one of their uh, one of their first early major con was the prize soap racket. So what they would do is he'd get a whole bunch of bars of soap for five cents a piece. And he'd go to these small towns and he'd set them up on like a little stand with the briefcase. And he'd set it up on a corner and start doing a presentation and t- attract a crowd. And each individual soap he had wrapped with a piece of paper. And then he'd take various denominations of bills and slide them in under the paper where you couldn't see it. And then he'd sell the bars of soap. He'd sell them for like a dollar. And there was like a chance that you could win oh, okay. some money. And he'd go put in bills as high as, you know, $50 bills or $100 bills. And he'd put it in a bar of soap and start selling these bars of soap for a dollar. So this is a 1877 TikTok diamond thing? He'd hand some of the small bills. So he'd put a $5 bill and sell that to a neighborhood person. So they buy their bar hey, and they get $5. Five and like, Damn. Willy and then, Wonka and shit. Yeah. And then he'd take a 50 and hand that to his shill. And the shill be like, oh shit, I got a 50. And then so now people start hurry up and buying them up because they know there's a 100. But that $5 winner is kind of an unknowing, unwilling shill itself, right? Right. It's part of the town, but I, I incorporate that into my, that's pretty neat. Right. So it's a small one, but it's a real it's one. It's a real one. It's generic. These people know that person. I'm leaving in five minutes. They're going to trust her when. If it's just Bill the Shill, they might be a little nervous. Right. But now when our buddy from across the street really like, oh shit, I know he's not in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we came here together. Now they know they're hundreds out there. And then when you start getting lower, people start bidding higher. So they'd start buying like $3 and $5 bars of soap. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, he'd just hand one of his $100, he'd just hand a $100 bill to one of their shills. And he'd be like, oh yeah, I got it. And then they'd pack up and just go to the next town and do it again. And they just make thousands of dollars <laughs> off. Nice hustle. Off of fucking fake, bars of yeah. soap. One town he got caught pulling the scam and got arrested. And the local sheriff forgot his name when he booked him Hmm. and just wrote his name down as Soapy Smith. Oh, okay. And after that, it stuck. (laughs) And for the rest of his life, he was known as Soapy Smith and his gang became known as the Soap Gang. The Soap Gang. It should have been Soapy Smith and the Suds. (laughs) (laughs) That would be better. (laughs) So kind of like what we touched on, prior to this, all these criminals had worked independently as drifters because they had these weird skill sets. But together, they had this real powerful gang. They formed One like big a piece of driftwood. Bo- Voltron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the 1877 Wu-Tang Clan. A little scheming-ass Voltron. <laughs> like an old soapy bastard. <laughs> Eventually, with their mixed skill set and his organizational skills, the Soap Gang became an underworld powerhouse in the frontier in the late 1800s. They were pretty slippery. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually, Soapy decides he wants to move on to bigger things. In 1879, he arrived with his gang in Denver, Colorado. Denver had an open gambling policy, and the Union Station train depot was a major stop off to the western frontier. So with this giant Union Station and all these people moving out west, it was busy day and night with a never-influx of fresh victims. 
like in out west New York, always a boat, or I mean a stagecoach or something stopping here. Soapy started to use his money to pay off local politicians, law enforcement, saloon keepers, and business owners, and they agreed not to target locals with their scams. And in turn, they were to able they were able to stop working town to town and set up shop in Denver. So instead of having to go all over the West and find all these marks, they were able to just sit in Denver in all those marks. Remember the analogy of the carnival earlier? Mm -hmm. Now they got their state fairgrounds. Like, we're going to make fucking elephant ears and all this overpriced crap. Mm -hmm. We're just going to do it all out this one spot. The suckers come to us this way. We're not traveling town to town. They're already coming to this town. They're traveling here. We're just going to catch a few of their dollars on their way by. So once they were able to actually dig in and not have to keep moving around, they were able to move on from their traditional short cons and expand into long cons, like building fake stock exchanges and lottery offices. Right on. Guy's kind of really organized. He's ahead of his time. Yeah, we'll, just, we'll sell them fake stocks. Well, because you come up to modern day times, this dude's just what we call a politician. By 1882, they had took over all the underworld rackets in Denver and absorbed most of the existing operators into his gang. At this point, he started adding specialists that were muscling gunmen to operate as enforcers, too. Well, that, that's totally entering into our world because most of our stories that involve, like, say, a gangster type mm-hmm. will have the same setup, a really good businessman, but their mechanics and their tune-up guys are machine gunmen, Body getting rid of experts, fucking a real estate guy. Uh, so now this guy's Soapy's graduating up to the. He was already in the underworld, but kind of in that like carnival, like kitty campy. Now this is like shit. All I'm waiting is for an Italian or a Jewish man to meet Soapy here, and like I see the story, I see where it's right. going. <laughs> in 1888, he opened up a saloon slash gambling den called the Tavoli Club which became his base of operation. Now, legend has it there's a sign above the entrance that said Caveat Emptor, which is Latin for let the buyer beware. Sounds, uh... Well, look at modern <laughs> Sounds day. Sounds fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must, be a... <laughs> Must be a fancy place. You see Must that? Be French. Yep, yeah, they, got, they got French up there. <laughs> they got them Paris words. <laughs> he eventually brought in his little brother Bascom to help him run the gang. Bascom opened up a cigar shop that he would run a rigged poker game out of the back of. <laughs> By this time, he became known as the Frontier King of Con Men as his empire continued to grow. So that's why I had to wait on that one. If that was, if we said, aka Soapy Smith, aka the Frontier King of the Con Men, yes. you'd be like, okay, I guess I see where we're going here. <laughs> He's the Barnum and Bailey of Con Men. At some point, he got married and had three children, but he worked real hard to keep his family hidden and separate from his criminal life. So most of his associates didn't even know he had a family. In 1889, the Rocky Mountain News ran a series of articles about Soapy's rackets. Until one article, they mentioned that he had a wife and the kids. Hmm. On July 29, 1889, Soapy walked into the Rocky Mountain News and beat the manager, John Arkins, with a weighted walking cane. <laughs> Arkins was rushed to the hospital where he almost died. He had to be saved on the table. So they went and arrested so- Soapy and charged him with attempted murder. In court, he had already paid off everybody, and his defense was, he said, it's not attempted murder. If I wanted to kill him, I would have brought something a lot better than a cane. (laughs) He's right. (laughs) Quit. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) They're like, yep, checks out. He wasn't trying to kill you. Charge him with assault. (laughs) He would, right? Nope, you only get one. You said he was trying to kill you. We proved he wasn't trying to kill you. (laughs) Now, this started to become a pattern of behavior for Soapy. 
he wasn't a smooth talking debonair con man. He would he would get violent when he drank, and he'd rather fight than talk his way out of a situation. He had like a custom revolver that he carried, and he carried two pairs of brass knuckles. He was always ready. Most people compared his behavior and demeanor more to a gangster than a con man. Yeah, sounds like it. Most of the con men we dealt with are like talk you into thinking that oh maybe I was wrong and you're right. He's just like, well, how about you beat it or I'll punch you in your face, punk. <laughs> well, because indefinitely, like Soapy here started off in like the conish them the kind of games, but all of his stuff was since the beginning of the story evolving into he was just turning into like now he's controlling like vices like the little brother comes in he's got a poker game in the back we got this con up front pretty much organized crime right the gangster thing goes with that like there's a good con con is somebody you want if you want somebody to sell you like the golden gate bridge Hmm. if i'm running fucking (laughs) all that I want a motherfucker to go crack a motherfucker in the head when it's time to crack a motherfucker in the head. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why early on he didn't have to bring on a lot of muscle at first because he was the he muscle. He was the muscle. Yeah, he organized a bunch of... He was the general contractor, he's so like, he brought in a picture. He's like, my hands are too full right now. I can't handle it. <laughs> he was like Henry Ford that could like break faces. Like, I'll just add all the other things I can't do, like the card counters, the you know the fixers, the da-da-da. And now he's like, normally I'll whoop your ass myself. Now that he's getting near 60 years old, like, oh, I guess I got to hire some muscle too. I can't do it all. I can't be the bouncer and like the strip club owner. Once he is more like violent streak... I didn't write them all. There's a series of 18, like, pistol whipping shootouts and gang fights. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of dates, so I couldn't just, like, just read. I counted to find out how many, so it was 18 of them. But so some of the highlights, Soapy was attacked while sitting in a train car where two people ambushed him to with, like, an assassination attempt. He shot two of the assailants and got away unharmed. Soapy was suspected and implicated in the murder of Cliff Sparks. There's one story where him and his gang, they broke into a glass and detective agency and beat two of the detectives and chased them out of town. And they set the detectives up for assaulting a young girl. So they're like, no, we're the heroes. The detectives were fucking with this girl. And we, you know, beat their ass and ran them out of town. Hmm. In reality, that girl was a prostitute that they hired. Right. (laughs) They cleaned up and go say, yeah, they beat me. I was a little nice little kid and they beat me and shit. And they're like... Get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> now, in 1892, there was a reformist movement that began trying to crack down on gambling and began putting pressure on his operations. That was the thing with the West. There was a lot of Christians went out that way. You know, Christians roll yeah. when they get their say is they really crack down on the rules and shit. Well, look at the ones that stayed back east at that time, and some of it still exists, like dry counties. and. Oh, right, know. right. So they were like, nah, we are not having it. Everybody's having way too much fun out in the West, oh. and we're shutting this shit down. We're, we're going to make the Wild West the yeah. nice, polite West. So now Soapy's got to pay a governor or something to like try and legislate. We're outlawing Christianity here in Colorado. <laughs> 92, Soapy decided to move his operations to Creed, Colorado. It was a silver mining town that just popped up as a boom town. And it's one of those cities where, at that moment, it could have ended up, it could have been the, like, next Denver. But he said, fuck it, packed up shop and fucking moved to Creed. One of the first things he did when he set up shop in Creed was he imported a bunch of prostitutes from Denver 
and he used them to help him get leases signed over to him on a bunch of the buildings. So he would just use a lot of these prostitutes and have them either talk the guys into it or he would have them hook up with them and blackmail them and just use a series of different kinds of all these prostitutes to get control of most of the buildings that were in the main primary business district of Creed. Okay. Like I've seen some reports say that he owned 39 of the 40 buildings on the main business district. Who owned the other one? <laughs> Uh, the other one was Bat Masterson, who oh, was uh, all right. he was a big, big Wild West guy. Batman, the Rifleman. Another guy, Bob Ford, the coward Bob Ford, who's the guy that shot Jesse James in the back. He had owned a bar that he was killed in in Creed. That probably was just some different shit, but some people say it could have been connected to Soapy Smith. It probably wasn't, but for the purpose of this, we could say that yeah. uh, Soapy was running that shit and he didn't like Bob Ford. But Bat Masterson was the one business that. He didn't take over. And not only were they cool, like, Soapy would go to his place. Like, he'd go there and gamble and go there and drink and gamble and shit like that. Right. All the buildings he took over, he'd lease those and rent them out to all his associates and his gangsters. So, every like, the guys could all get their own little spots to run their own little cons out of, like, up and down the strip. He opened up a gambling hall slash saloon called the Orleans Club, which he used as his base operations. And then in Creed, he brought in his brother-in-law, who he made deputy sheriff. His brother-in-law was actually a straight-laced dude. Like, he was never a criminal or anything. He was a a lawman his whole life. Just look the other way for me, man. That's all I ask you to do. Just look one way. So not long after his brother-in-law became deputy sheriff, they quickly took over most of the criminal rackets, and Soapy appointed himself the Creed camp boss. He said, you know what, this whole thing? It's mine. It's mine. But in order to get the support of locals, he he paid to have churches built, and then in the meantime, he let preachers have access to his buildings to hold their services and stuff. Oh yeah, it's co-op. He also donated large sums of money to the poor. And he would pay for the funeral services for deceased prostitutes. I seen something, I don't know if it's true, that he'd pay to have the prostitutes buried, but then the people of the town demanded that the prostitutes be buried outside of town. <laughs> well, I'm not paying for an out-of-town funeral, see? And he ends up well, they're like, well, and we ain't, and we're not burying no prostitutes in town. So we're, at a, we're in a real pickle. So this is going to be weird, but this is true. So bear with me. So while he's in Creed, he acquired a petrified man. That he named McGinty, and he would charge people 10 cents to view it. Hey, whatever makes a buck. That's sweet. So this is McGinty. Now this guy's it's, an all-around business guy, though. Like, now it's in a place that's called, I think it's called Ye Old Oddity Shop okay. in, like, Washington. They actually have two petrified people there, hmm. but they have all kinds of different weird shit. But they have McGinty now. But when he got them, what he did was he would charge 10 cents to see them, but then he'd make sure everybody always had to line up. And then when people were in line to see McGinty, his guys would go out front and work the three-card body and the shell and, games and yeah. stuff for oh, the really? people while they're waiting in line. <laughs> and so his whole McGinty scam revolved around it being like the carnival. You, you know, we're talking about a time where people don't have cable or TV or anything. Right, so right. if there's anything in town, you're like, oh, shit, I got 10 cents. I'll go down there and look at this weird thing, <laughs> right. you know. And Dollar a bottle of water while you wait. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Mummy without the wraps. So I've read different stuff. I read that it was a skeleton that got poured concrete over. I read something else that said it was like mummified because they use like arsenic or something. So I don't know which one is true. And that's like above my pay grade to figure out. Mm-hmm. My man but, Soapy, I bet you that's a skeleton. Paper mache the fuck up. <laughs> because I only want 10 cents to see it. New Guinea is not the big attraction. 
what my guys are doing, tuning you up out in the line. That's like, okay, I got you in Cedar Point. You're here for McGindy. You're here for the Magnum. But while you're in line, I'm coming out to you. Hey, man, you want a $5 temporary tattoo? I got, like I said, $1.50 bottles of water. I got like... Yeah, you want like here this weird balloon thing or like a foam finger that's like something that you will have. I'm only making pennies off this, but I'm already charging you 10 cents to see fucking my paper mache skeleton. But eventually and pretty rapidly, the Creed mine died. Oh, and at this time, it's called Creed now. At the time when they were there, it was called Jimtown. Jimtown? Yeah, like J I L. I wonder who the first hmm. guy to get to that silver mine was. Jim. Oh, Jim. And he wasn't bright. He didn't come. I call this land Jimtown. <laughs> Jimville. What do you think? Jimville. Should I go with Jim Township? Jim Town, Jimville, Jimberg, Jim Township. <laughs> but yeah, so the mine dried up, so people stopped going out there. So slowly the, the town started to slow down, unless people started coming around. And around that same time, Denver began to repeal the reform policies because that was hurting their town too, and they weren't making as much money because people just started taking different ways out west. Because they're like, well, no, I don't want to go to. Lameville, USA, mm-hmm. right, on my way out right. west. My last stop to the west, and now I can't even gamble or whatever. This is no fun. I don't want to go there. So Denver's like, you know what? We're going to have to repeal all these. You know what? We're just going to open it back up like we did before. And Creed was <laughs> starting to fall days. apart. So Soapy packed up McGinty <laughs> and moved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my paper mache mummy and I'm out. And he moved back to Denver and reopened the Tivoli Club. Oh, yeah. And, well, I seen some shit that said uh, it was never closed. That he wow. just went back and just re- reacquired it. Hmm. Just went back in like, yeah, lease is up. <laughs> I'm, daddy's home. <laughs> <laughs> it was fortunate timing because after he le- left and set up shop back in Denver on June 5th, 1892. And this seems like legit coincidence. It doesn't seem like he had anything to do with it. Creed lost most of its business district, including the Ords, Orleans Club and a giant fire. It really doesn't seem like he had anything to do with it. I mean, that shit would happen, especially if you start having like ghost towns or giant back then. You would you would throw up these wooden buildings and shit, and yeah. you just leave them abandoned. And maybe the Christians just came by and <laughs> burnt sent it to hell. <laughs> yeah, go back to the hell where you came from. All right, well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
So we got a drink. We got a cocktail. Then I mean, can everybody take a drink for see what you think? Oh, okay, yeah. I can taste it now. It tastes a lot different before you stirred it. <laughs> <laughs> I could taste the smokiness and the, and the coke. It's going together better than when I first tasted it. What do you think? I jumped the gun. Good. <laughs> when I looked at it, I could tell that wasn't what it was supposed to look like. Okay. It's got That's a nice color to it now. Too. To me, it's got a little vanilla-y, like, uh, almost like a root beer-esque yeah, yeah, aftertaste. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is it? So we had it on the show, but as a shot. Mm. So it's, there's two ways to make the same drink. So the drink's called the Fat Alphas, which is Howlerhead Banana Whiskey and Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Okay, yeah, I taste the Screwball, okay. But as a shot, it's just a shot, like a half and half. Uh, as a cocktail, it's... Just made with the same same drink, but with uh, on ice and with cola. So the the cola mixed with those um, nutty and banana flavors, that's what gives it a like almost a root beer flavor. But it's taste, real good. I can taste the banana. I around. remember I was on an episode when we did the Elva the Fat Elva shots, mm-hmm. and I must say like I like both of those. I like the banana and the peanut butter yeah. drinks by themselves, and that was a good shot. This is a decent drink. I could see drinking a few of these as my main drink, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm not a mixed drink guy at the bar, but, like, if I'm going to mix, like, this ain't bad right here. I do them with, like, a little less Coke. Like, if I'm making a drink at home, like, I'll put even less Coke in it, but I'll sip on it for a long time. Mm. Like, I put more in it because that's the actual recipe to make the actual drink. But when I make them myself, 
at like half off on the Coke and shit. This is good. Good. I like it. So I've found that I like the cocktails. Like I make them because they're simple and I'm not a mixologist like yeah. my wife. So I'm not good at that. But what I found is most of the drinks that I mix with soda, it's good because there's something with the carbonation that does some of the mixing for yeah. you. Well, so what you do is you mix the whiskeys first, the howler head and the screwball on ice and shake, shake that and then pour those into the glasses and then pour the coke kind of rough on, pour like let that bubble like yeah and then pour it on the drink mm-hmm. to get the carbonation to kind of mix it mix together. it a little yeah like i say a little rough pour over that huge ass ice afterwards. cube yep no how about i don't know if you had them both ways uh tone but how about you lock did you like the fat elvis better as a drink or the shots I like the cocktail better. Well, much better. I don't think I had the shot over here. I the missed out. The shots. Okay. I mean, it's all right. It's like this, but shittier. You got the Cadillac <laughs> version. <laughs> of course. Best for the best. But yeah. So see, keep listening. I'll teach you how to make these badass cat. Uh, and it was easy. You see, I went and did it real quick. And yeah. Shit. Yeah. And that was pretty quick for you. I made a. Me- I left a mess up there. <laughs> It looks like a fucking train hit the kitchen. And well, when the wife gets home, then that's quick for her. Okay. <laughs> I made these three little drinks. It looks like a fucking bomb went off. Like, what did you make? Spaghetti dinner or something? Like, nah, I made, I made three cocktails. How did you break two plates? Well, uh, when we left off, he had left Creed to set up shop back in Denver after they had repealed their reform policy. I'm taking my mummy and I'm going home. <laughs> So when he got back, he just went back to business as usual. He became so big. I mean, he was just known as like a legitimate, like a crime lord. It wasn't even like a con man. Like he was crime boss. Right. He was like running organized crime. He became so comfortable with it that he admitted to reporters he was a con man. He quoted to the paper, I consider Bunko steering more honorable than the life held by the average politician. In 1894, there was a newly elected governor, Davis Hanson Waite. And uh, he came in with a reform policy. Again, and he fired three corrupt Denver officials as part of his reform policy. What? So he just comes in and says, broad strokes, fixing Denver, you guys are fired. He ain't draining the swamp on us, asshole. <laughs> so the officials refused to leave and they barricaded themselves in City Hall with a bunch of armed allies, which included Soapy Smith. It also had, like I think it was like the, the, the Bungle Gang, but it was like the, whatever his rival gang was in town, they were there. See, when you're getting the bungles, too. when you're getting the bungles and the suds united <laughs> on one side, you know what I'm saying? That's when that's when true. That's like the Bloods and Crips uniting for a cause. You yeah, know? yeah, they did a mixtape together and shit. Exactly. Look, because if these dirty politicians go away, we're all fucking. This done. is the 1894. We're talking Occupy Denver. I mean, come on, this yeah. is their movement, y'all. Since these guys backed them armed at the city hall, uh, Soby Smith was then deputized. But you know what's kind of dope about that little fun fact? Like, right now, like, in our real world in the 20s, like in 2020s, sheriffs have so much power, they can deputize anybody, even not in the Old West times. You've never been, like, through Michael's police training, you can get deputized if shit pops off. In the Cicero election riots, it worked the it, in reverse, where they banned Chicago police from sending their guys to Cicero like his Capone brought bought that shit off and they were going to win the election and the Chicago the Chicago was like we'll send all our cops to help keep your shit in line and uh since he bought off the politicians they're like no we're not letting your cops come in our jurisdiction mm-hmm. well they didn't and then the county sheriff 
deputized all those cops for a day, <laughs> which gave them the right to go into Cicero, not as Chicago police officers, but, but as, as deputies, Cook County deputies. Yes. Damn. And just got the, well, what's your job? Same thing. You're a cop. You're just a different cop today. Right. But I don't want to get too law with it, you know, because we're on the, uh, we're on the bad guy side of the law here. But what I meant by that whole story of telling you like how they could deputize, I didn't know. I thought when a federal agent came up until recently I was schooled. Those guys, those sheriffs that deputize, like a county sheriff and a, those guys, they're elected officials. They hold more weight than like federal officials. I did not know that. I, it's a cool fun fact that they can deputize like a motherfucker. But the fact that they could tell an FBI or an ATF, like, you're just a, a letter agency. Get to go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> it's my fucking county. Because I always thought at the other, and I know my shit, you know, being a gangster on, you know, our side of the law. I thought I knew, like, no, the feds ain't shit to a sheriff. Like, nobody's shit to a sheriff. Besides, like, your president and your military. Like, shit, sheriffs hold some fucking weight, brother. See? You say that like you ain't met Roscoe Pico train. You should have known. <laughs> you know? Sheriff, don't give a fuck. You want me to get flash on you? You want me to sick flash on you? Well, he get you. It still holds true. Almost any West guy we cover at some point gets deputized and has, no matter how For bad sure. of a criminal you are, at some point you're in a situation where they're like, we need people with guns. Yeah. And you're like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm whoever the law the today, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm Chavez. And they're like, well, you know who we want on our side? To You've seen Young Guns, right? We're going to war. You want Chavez? <laughs> So the governor doesn't dig their standoff at City Hall. So he sends in the state militia, who showed up with 200 troops, two Gatling guns, and two 12-pound cannons. Damn. Yeah. Call that <laughs> enough. <laughs> and they just rolled it down the street and pointed it at City Hall. <laughs> They're like, bam, we won. Full house. And uh, Sophie Smith was like, Bam, we got enough dynamite. There was, like, all these people had lined up to watch it and shit. And he said, uh... We take the whole house down. Yeah, we, we just blow this whole motherfucker up. We don't got any bigger guns, but we got so much dynamite. We could blow up so much of the middle of Denver. Let's not take away from... You roll two cannons down the street. I don't care, like, if they're older, slower, like, shooting big wadded balls of lead. You brought two cannons to the fight. <laughs> the pressure from local politicians because of the crowd... Actually ended up making the governor punk out, and he had to take all his stuff and move it back out. Today, not a single shot was fired. It was called the Battle of City Hall. So the governor backs down and he decides to fight it in the courts. And it goes all the way to the Denver Supreme or the Colorado Supreme Court. And the Colorado Supreme Court rules that the governor has the authority to appoint officials, but he doesn't have the authority to fire them. But the governor ultimately won because he's still the governor. Yeah. So he starts being a dick and he's like, well, we're shutting all this shit down again. I was just sending my own guys to work in Denver. At first, when they made stuff illegal, Soapy Smith was using the fact that he was a deputy to his advantage. So he would run poker games. And if guys would like lose a big hand or lose a bunch of money, he'd just go arrest them real quick. And he'd be like, look, you got two choices. You can just either leave right now or you're arrested for gambling. <laughs> and they'd be like, all right, we're out. We're out. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. The money stays. You get the hammer. Or the money. But you can't have both. <laughs> Eventually, the governor runs him out of town. His brother got arrested. Soapy tried to get him out, but they are like, nah, we got this motherfucker and he's locked down. So Soapy just kind of bounced out. So he returned to traveling town to town, running short cons. Uh, at one point, he has established communication with the president of Mexico and uh, tried to set up a foreign legion. And he had actually set up a recruiting shop where he's going to 
hire like local gangsters to go work a military job in Mexico uh -huh. as foreign legion soldiers. Suicide Squad before <laughs> Suicide Squad was the thing. But that deal fell through, and then no, no, <laughs> it was on such solid quicksand to begin with. It sounds, sounds like such a good plan. Surprised that didn't work, man. <laughs> hey, hey, President, you want a uh... Presidente? When Presidente is cool, he wanted to rent Nibambu. like he no. was going to charge kids like only five pesos to come see him. Like, <laughs> like oh, dude. So <laughs> hey, hold on. <laughs> Did you mention anything about the AKA? Oh yeah, why we it's never now Sylvester? Yeah, we never touched on that yet. Oh, so uh, McGinty. Good call. So McGinty, because the whole Soapy Smith McGinty thing was unknown at the time. Like you know, this is all like pre-internet. All these things happen. So at some point he loses. <laughs> if you weren't there, you didn't know about McGinty. <laughs> right. He's a con man, so he just owned them and sold it and ran his cons and blah, blah blah. And at some point, well now you know he's on the road. His brother got arrested. He can't. You can't carry McGinty. Yeah. You already got a secret family. You can't have a petrified dude that you're running town to town with. El Presidente backed out that fucking deal <laughs> and shit, you know, so I don't know what I'm going to do. So I don't got room for McGinty, so he just sells him off to some random dude. Oh, I didn't realize that McGinty, Sylvester is his AKA? He's the yeah. dummy's AKA? Okay. So he was acquired as Sylvester at the Ye Old uh, Curiosity Shop, okay. where he's currently at now. Right. And then it turns out through research the that is McGinty. the same person that so, McGinty no, is now Sylvester. So I got the story straight. When I buy McGinty, he's Sylvester. I name him McGinty to give him more of a uh, exotic sounding name to get your 10 cents to view. Right. That's part of my, <laughs> like this dude is sweet, like a marketing genius, like a, a good businessman. A crack you in the fucking face with his leaded fucking cane. <laughs> You made articles about saying that he's the biggest comment in the area. He didn't do shit. You said, and he's got a wife and kids, and he came and beat you almost to death. And he got her off. Yeah. But when he imports the like, hookers. Fuck, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. When he brings the hookers to Creed, but not so much to start the brothel, as to like, hey, go fuck these uh, landlords and stuff like that. You know, like, real. Hey, he's ahead of his time. Because you notice all the stuff we talked about, we never talked about him running a brothel. We talked about him paying for... Yeah, we haven't talked about any titties yet. No I never had to use the episode. hot and cold running pussy because he doesn't set up that vice. Like, they used the one little hooker in Texas to, like, hey, say these two uh, dudes, these two detectives were raping you and, you know, it's a Me Too type thing. Like, he uses hookers in a unique way. And this is 1880s, 90s. Like, it's really... Some of the shit he's doing is what they're doing in the real, is what we're going through right now. It's uh, kind of, a, he's ahead of his time that way. We haven't talked about him running brothels. We've talked about him interacting with prostitutes. Using prostitutes For as his cons yeah. or paying for their funerals, but never using them as running them for money and shit. Right, like right. He, you know? so. he didn't have his only fans yet. <laughs> That's why see. he was fighting so hard to have him buried. In a town, right? Well, yeah, because they were like almost just employees yeah. to him. Right. right. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the things Soapy might have did with McGinty is he might have acquired them and pretended like he dug them up in the area. So, like, he got them and it's whatever this petrified dude that they're that passing around. But... Dude, I could see Soapy with the, the Indiana Jones hat. <laughs> the whole nine. The shill coming over, like his, his Watson. <laughs> Oh my god, sir, I think you found the us that is the great McGinty. <laughs> the great yes. Go deer and wide and gather up all the youngins. <laughs> Tell them I need ten cents apiece to come see the great McGinty. 
This dude's ahead of his. I'm telling you, this dude fucking rocks. Right, he was like a hundred. Why? Because why would thousand you just years say, ahead of time? Yeah, dude, shit. I bought him down at the fucking uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Right. For, he was called Sylvester, and I renamed. It. No, fuck no. I've been on searching for him. Four oceans later, I found him right here in Creed. Creed, Creed, Colorado. So he scrapes up a living for a couple years, and uh, eventually the Klondike Gold Rush of 1897 leads him to settle in in Skagway, Alaska. So. And when that fell through, he just had the Klondike Bar, like he invented that little shitty ice cream. So he follows the Gold Rush up to Skagway, Alaska. He struggles a little bit at first, but he sticks it out up there, and eventually he ends up doing what he always does, and ends up building him up the same empire. <laughs> so he uses the exact same blueprint. First thing he does is he buys off the U.S. Marshal. And then he starts rebuilding a gang, and then he opened up a saloon named Jeff Smith's Parlor. Jeff Smith's Parlor is actually still around today in hmm. Sk- Skagway, Alaska. Same building? Yeah. So this is actually some of the Soap Gang guys. That's the Suds. <laughs> it's actually the same building, but it's relocated, I think. So he just keeps naming his gang the Soap Gang? No, I guess they just, in hindsight, maybe it's just what they're called over the course of the story. It's an old enough story that history kind of rewrites it that way. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just once they started calling him Soapy and they started calling him the Soap Gang, because technically this would be a whole different gang. Right. But yeah, he opens up a parlor, and then he buys off a marshal, and uh, he starts taking over the criminal rackets. Same thing. Shell game, three-card Monty, start rigging games, start uh, just pulling cons. Jeff Smith's parlor became known as the Real City Hall. Once there, in addition to his usual cons, he also started a fake telegraph service. Where your messages wouldn't go nowhere? Yeah. I pay you to wire my wife back a message home in California. Yeah, yeah, she got it. Beep, 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 15 bucks. That's awesome. How you fucking have that scam, though? That's dirty, like. Well, he had wires. He had wires that went into the walls. Yeah, patch me through to San Fran. He just plugged shit into the wall to a piece of cord. Well, he would sell your responses back. So when you got wired back, he'd sell those back to you, too. Oftentimes, they offered, they were asking for uh, requests to wire money. So he's got to hand you money to yeah, wire so, back to them so that Soapy, they never get. So Soapy could also, for a small fee, he could also wire the money back to... And keep the money that he's not wiring on top of the fee? That's awesome. This guy is before his time. <laughs> so here's the worst part about the scam, right? Is there was no actual telegraph wires in that town until 1901. So at this time, there's no wires anywhere. So he had wires that like went into the wall when you're in there. Can't you just hear but, Soapy say, you never heard of Wi-Fi, asshole? In, in 1884 or whatever. What the fuck yeah. do you mean there's no wires? So where Skagway was this big stop-off for all these people kind of on their way from the, the, the gold rush. You know what I mean? You go to Alaska, you kind of check in at Skagway, and then you go out into the Yukon to go be... Go get that gold. I mean, you know, go get that go gold. Get that gold. <laughs> you know, go do your, I don't know, your vision quest, whatever you're out there trying to do. Go dig some gold and be rich and shit. And he realized, what, like, wow. So, yeah, you, you just come back and be like, yeah, your wife said, uh, I love you too, but we desperately need money. And they're like, yeah, here's yeah, the gold hey, I got uh, left. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. What do I got? Here, can you send this to her? Yes, yes. We ship out. I'm going to take it myself. I'm packing up right now. <laughs> well, one of the things that was a legit business that he's seen going on that was real profitable and he set up a fake vision of was version of was he set up a fake shipping company. More like those same guys, like whenever they need to ship back home 
or as they, you know, collected stuff or got gold or money or whatever, and they just kept shipping it back and they set up a whole shipping company. Well, and they did the same thing where they didn't fuck with the locals. They only did it to like these people that are dropping in and out, even though they were known as criminals and they were dirty and they're shady and people kind of didn't like it. It benefited the community. And he's building churches and the giving turkeys away and doing all the stuff that Al Capone would have did. No, but like, say you <laughs> live there, like you're a third generation, and then like you don't want to see the guy from Arizona come over on a ship, go out and get pans of gold and be a billionaire. So you're rooting for fucking old Soapy. Like, yeah, fuck him. Tell him everything he finds that you'll ship it to him, and then yeah. like we all. It's a Robin Hood thing. Like you're, I might not get a piece of that guy's stolen gold because I got morals and I don't want it. But like he said, my church is new. My fucking, you know, their Whatever. version of Walmart back then in Saskatoon. Like that's probably a nice place to shop. Like, well, and a lot of these people had these opinion of these city boys or these, you know, when you talk about in the South, when you talk about the uh, carpet baggers and stuff, like yeah. there was a real deep rooted dislike for these people. So some guy that's ripping them off, like, ah, fuck them. Especially when these guys, you know, they're coming to town and they're gambling and starting fights and like well, it's you, they are the bad element like they might not be the bad element but they're what's attracting the bad element so he also started to add clergy saloon keepers and reporters to his gang or on his payroll so sometimes he just had straight up gang members uh, your job is you're the new preacher go start a church somewhere he would just get support around the company and when these new people would come in sometimes they even greet him at the docks you know, they'd be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm Father David or whatever. You know what I mean? Let's let's get you settled in town. Yeah, check in here. Just leave your bags there. You're good. Come Oh, do you want to have a drink? Relax. Next thing you know, the guy turns around and he just spent all his money gambling and he lost his stuff. And, and the intel, <laughs> since you met Father Flanagan right off the boat, you've already got befriended by him. You've told, uh, now I'm going to steal your physical, all your stuff. But intel, you've told him where you're from, what brought you to Alaska, how long you plan to be, what your true intentions are, all in one day. <laughs> like you this and then did you say he hired reporters like this dude is fucking a modern day like he should have been came out in like the 60s or 70s he would have had like a nice long career salon keepers too like or saloon keepers like guys would get all drunk hey got you a hot one coming in hey you want to go play some fucking shell game he's got eight grand in his fucking purse and he's got a deed to a small silver mine up the road hey yeah get him in my fucking silver game here's 200 grand a bartender back then i give you 200 dollars. that's like me giving you three grand right now yeah i'll set this guy up (laughs) i don't even know him eventually a group of concerned citizens started a vigilante group called the committee of 101 and they started threatening soapy to leave town he, in response, started his own group, which was called the Law and Order Society. But he's 102. And uh, and he refused to leave, and they just backed down. So Soapy decides he wants to just rehab his image. So he like, just really doubles down on being a respectful member of society. So he does his normal, he buys the churches and donates all the money and fucking does what he always does. But the Spanish-American War kicks off, right? And his patriotism kicks in. And his patriotism kicks in. <laughs> fucking i love soapy man so uh he puts himself together a volunteer army and uh he writes the department of war and says uh hey i'm gonna put together an army in case you need us for the spanish war up here in alaska and the department of war says bam federal approval go ahead put together an army so soapy puts together a little army up there and makes himself the captain it's called the skagway military company he ended up getting a letter from president mckinley which gave him a official recognition of his company which he hung up in his bar so not only is he a deputy, he's a military captain. I was going to say, you guys earlier in the story thought it went to his head when we made him a deputy. Now he's a captain of a military regiment. That He called it. He wrote in and said, 
you know, firing this thing up too. You know, if you guys, well, yeah, we're making you part of the army. Like, dude, fucking Soapy's the shit. He commandeered two boats when he got up there. He called the Navy, like, you know what? Start my own branch of the Navy too. <laughs> I'm the North Atlantic Fleet. I got two fishing boats up here. <laughs> but them two cannons from Denver, they're on my boats. <laughs> 1898, at the 4th of July, he was the Marshal of the Parade, where uh, he led the volunteer volunteer army on his gray horse, and then they set him up at the grandstand, where he he sat with the governor and all the top officials of the state. It worked, and became super popular again. This dude did all the cool shit that every gangster we've ever done on the show did, but like before they did it. Does Al Capone type shit, like, I'm gonna build churches, give away turkeys, you know what I mean, do it big. So a couple days after the parade, there's this uh, miner named John Douglas Stewart, who's this real big shot. And he comes into town with a bag with $2,700 worth of gold. It's like $80,000 worth. Good thing Soapy just started a store your money place last night. Right off the bat, he comes to party and he loses all of it in three car money to the three of Soapy's gangs. Oh, $2,700 in that time. So they get in a big fight. He refuses to pay. Take his bag of gold and they bounce out. But this guy's not just your typical goofball coming through. He's a big shot businessman. So he goes to the authorities. They stole my money, bro. Is the authority he's talking to named Soapy Montgomery Williams? Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, really? Tell me everything you know. <laughs> just tell me this. Which way did they go? Can I borrow your horse to catch them? <laughs> we'll get back with you. So the law don't help him much, and he doesn't get anywhere. No, I'm so surprised. But the committee of 101, he's like, fuck yeah, we got our cause. We're with you. You got to give them their fucking money back. And Soapy <laughs> stood by his guys, and they said, no, he lost it fair and square. I just completed my investigation, and I find these men totally innocent. And he told them, fuck off. Yes, because those guys were totally innocent. <laughs> the next day on July 8th, while Soapy was drinking, he got word from his gang that the committee of 101 was meeting... To vote to have him kicked out of town. He thought the only thing that was missing was his vote. So he grabbed his cane and he headed on down there. Well, he did better. He grabbed his pistol and his Winchester. And he went down there, grabbed six of his dudes. The meeting was out on this wharfs. And these wharfs, they're like long Alaskan wharfs. So they're like three quarters of a mile out. So he goes down to the Juno wharfs. He takes like six of his guys with him. But when he gets down there, he tells his guys, he's like, you know what? You stay here. You guys just stay back. I got this. He starts to go down the Juno Wharf, and they had, like, a bunch of security guards there. They had five guards there. The first two left, and then there's a couple other guys that he just kind of walks by four of the five guys. And eventually this guy, he's about to get up to this meeting. This guy, Frank Reed, is like, nah, we're here to make sure you don't get down there. You're not allowed to this meeting. So they get into an argument, and they have, which to me, I think is, like, the dumbest shootout in the history of shootouts. He had told all his guys to stay back, right? He was by himself. And this guy was kind of by himself, but his guys had his back. And they start arguing. So they start arguing, then they start swearing, then they start fighting. Well, Soapy Smith tried to hit him with his gun, with his Winchester, but not with the butt, with the barrel. With the barrel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Here's a little bit of steel for you, bitch. <laughs> Anytime I've ever heard of somebody, Old West or Modern Times, getting hit with a gun, machine gun, or a rifle, it's with the butt. Well, he tries to hit him with the barrel. Frank, like, tries to grab it, but he, like, gets hit with the sight, and he fucks his arm up real bad. And he starts to fall down, but he pulls out his gun, and then they just both start shooting at each other. And it said the first shot, it was two shots, and it was, like, so simultaneous that it sounded like, like one, one shot. And then they just started both shooting. 
Well, when it was done, Soapy was dead. He was shot in the leg. No. Yeah. I wasn't expecting this to be the end of Soapy. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to die in this story. He was shot through the heart, the leg, and the arm. Damn. Frank was shot through the abdomen and groin, so he lived, but he ended up dying 12 days later. What actually happened? You're talking about a story between, like, 10 guys in Juneau, Alaska in the 1800s. So who really, really knows? So there's different accounts. It seems like he shot it out with Frank and won. Like, it seemed like Frank was probably actually shooting from the ground. Upwards. Yeah. And then one of uh, the other guys, a guy named Murphy, one of the guys that originally punked out, came back and killed Soapy. So I think it was like a shootout. A lot of people say it was a shootout, and then Soapy won, and then the other guy came up. Third party. Yeah, after the shootout, killed Soap, shot him in the heart. They say that his last words were, uh, my God, man, don't shoot. So after Soapy died, the three gang members that stole the money were in prison, and the rest of his gang was ran out of town. One report could have been that the Murphy guy that could have jumped him might have shot him with his own rifle, but his rifle was for sure gave back to his son. They refused to bury Soapy in city limits, so he's buried several yards out of the city cemetery. 38, huh? Yeah, 38 years old. That's a lot of life for 38 years old, man. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he surpassed a lot of Well, inside of, of all the dark um, under gangster world, like he was a he was a deputized sheriff. He was a leader dude, of a this, military this dude regiment. Was a military he captain. Was, he was Billy the Kid, Al Capone, all in one. Started his own shipping company. Never shipped <laughs> shit anywhere. Like. A, a shipping mogul. You yeah, right, almost... right. He was UPS. <laughs> He was Bell, had the fucking beep and beep, beep the telegraph service right. that didn't go nowhere Mor- before Mor- wires. Motor City Casino. So you can see these pictures are new. Every year on July 8th in Skagway, Alaska, they, they hold the Soapy Smith Wake. So it's this big, I don't know, like a big convention. Or... That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, that is. I think we should do that like more. Like, yeah, we should. We have should uh, Bugsy Siegel night. Take a we should have fucking. Back, say hello to bad guys uh, <laughs> no, vacation tri- here. Yeah. Trip to Alaska, Skagway, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Go visit some of these sites. At the end of the show, just post your cash cash app out. Right. You know, you can send us to uh, Alaska. Support, All support you fans. that Skagway trip. Yeah. Coming straight on the Skagway. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go check out that Soapy Smith party and shit. Oh, yeah. Well, and look, that's the way to go. I know times are tough and everybody can afford that. So there's also the Magic Castle in Hollywood. They have a Soapy Smith party on oh. July 8th once a year or two. Okay. Kind of similar party. Either or. I'm yeah. good with, so, you know, whatever you want to I mean, Alaska would be the yeah. big goal, but, you know, look, yeah. I get it. You know, COVID and shit. You know, we'll, right. we'll do I Hollywood. think I'm going to make one of my little nephews be fucking McNimby for fucking Halloween this year, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's in the daytime when he turns into McNimby at night, then. <laughs> A story as old as time, the old debate, McGinty versus Sylvester. (laughs) Yes. Team Sylvester. So we start selling fucking bad guy shirts. We'll do uh, Team Sylvester and Team McGinty. (laughs) Sly or Mick, which one came first? So that's the story of Soapy Smith. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Better end it like that, uh, and then not see that coming. Huh? That's the thing with getting in shootouts. 
you're pushing it every time. Bullets yeah. start flying. You know, you can only, and especially when you've been in multiple shootouts. If you survive two shootouts, you should stay out of shootouts because the law averages says. It's going to get at you. At some point. You're when you're coming in so ultra confident, though, when you're walking up and it's not even like, blah, butt end of my rifle. You're coming in like, like a, a nun smacking a kid with a ruler, like hitting him with the front of your gun. Like, hey, bro, I mean, come on. You got to take precautions coming into this thing. Yeah. So you guys haven't seen a picture of Soapy Smith yet. If we were going to cast a movie about Soapy Smith, who would you cast to play him? You want to go first, Tom? No, because I have no one right now. Right on. Who, who do you um, throughout a story, the build, everything, I'm going to go with, obviously not purple how he looked in the MCU, but like a Josh Brolin type, a big guy. I'm thinking of Josh Brolin. Well, that's so like you don't not, want Thanos? As, not as Thanos, <laughs> but like that big burly guy. I'm picturing like Josh Brolin, how he really looks, but with like that big, stupid fucking um, like mustache from a, what's the guy's name that we've seen in bass the picture? Bass or whatever. Yeah, Bass. Uh, Detective Bass or whatever. See, like I'm kind of. Bass. Sam I don't bass. know his name, but it's the guy from uh, that one guy, uh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott? Yeah, the guy with the yeah, white big hair. mustache. Yeah, yeah sure. big mustache, motherfucker. The mustache. <laughs> but see, but not like not Sam Elliott now, not like Ghost Rider. Sam, which right. is weird because now Ghost Rider is probably fifteen years old or something. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like uh, mask. Gar. When yeah, he was Gar. Gar. <laughs> Fucking Gar. Yeah, I will. I will cast Gar as Soapy Smith. I can see that. You're talking about the Cher movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. That's my that's my boy Gar. <laughs> I think he could start a gang with uh, Richie Valens' brother. Yep. What was his name? Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. Bobby. Bobby, <laughs> Bobby and Gar. You know what I mean? They can take over California, yeah, bro. Yeah. They're the new chips. <laughs> We're putting together an all-star biker fucking crew. <laughs> Here's some pictures of Soapy Smith. Yeah, let's see Soapy. this guy. Them titties are nice. Yeah, they are. I purposely found. I was like, dude, I got. <laughs> and you said earlier, you said no titties. And I was like, I got some titties in this bitch yeah, for you. Yeah, I mean, we definitely got to go to the Magic Castle. Yeah. yeah. Are you, well, Is that maybe... Soapy? That's Soapy. That's Soapy right there, huh? Yeah. He looks like uh, Pee Wee Herman when he got uh, <laughs> caught he looks in that like fucking Al Pacino in Serpico like, from the 70s. Like... <laughs> Yeah, much uh, much scrappier looking than like I thought because like I pictured the big burliness. That's why I picked Josh as the guy, but I thought that clean chiseled like because he talked his way into like like the the military part that was a letter, but he talked his way into a lot of shit. Like, looks like an Amish dude, definitely, especially in that first pick with that uh, sombrero type hat. Like. Yeah. So now we got to do the DefCon scale. Now, standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. But on the bad guy podcast, there's no good guys. So 5 would be Lee Murray, who's your drug dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And at 1, you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Soapy Smith? All right, I'm going first. I got to go right in the middle of the pack, 3. And it's not a insult to him. I think he's got every bit of toughness to be way up there at the top. But his 
charisma. Some of the moves he made in 1880s to 90s were like stuff that we're still doing, like criminal wise today. He like he almost, without the credit for inventing it, like did a lot of it. pioneered it for sure. That supersedes like the toughness, the cracking you in the face. I'm sure he put plenty of bodies where they needed to go, but his was more like a. Nothing unnecessary, even though where you touch on he had the quick temper and all that. He wasn't a, a typical hot... He wasn't out there looking for that. Like, in the unique way he used the prostitutes in other ways, it was still the vice. It was still paying for sexual use, but in a different way. That's why he gets the middle of the pack for me. I'm sure inside, the evil part that makes him a bad guy, yeah, that was every bit as bad as... But he wasn't as psychopathic as... Like most true killers, he was more of a... Right. He would have fit in our times right now. He would have fit in the 1960s. He would have fit in the in the 1980s, and he would have fit in the 2000s. Yeah, any any era. I could give you could, examples this of guy could this guy's... Yep. Everything he's done, we're still doing today. For sure. And he did it better back then and in some instances, you know right. what I mean? And I, I would agree on the three, like I, w- I was thinking that. I mean, I could I could definitely see a three because more so than the other con men, he had some violent streaks. Mm-hmm. And there was some shooting and there was some uh, like violent beatings, like inconsistently. You yeah, know, he handled a... shit himself for a little bit there before he hired people. And he kind of did it all the way through to the end, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he died handling shit himself. And a lot of con men just kind of tricked their way through everything. You know what I mean? And their he, gift to Gab yeah. is their only it, one trick it, pony, like. He looks like the you know a younger version of the guy from the Poltergeist. Oh, uh, Powers Booth. Yeah, I, I would like I like Powers Booth as Soapy Smith because Power Powers Booth was uh Curly Bill in Tombstone. Mm. Yep. Right. Yeah. Sure was. Okay. Right. So he could for sure do that, right? Yes. That character as so- Soapy Smith, for that sure. exact same fucking yep. role. Mm-hmm. Ah, see. It's like fucking Creed. You fucking mind that shit out of the fucking. You just kept talking, and uh, eventually right. you pulled out a fucking name. That yeah, Powers fucking Booth, but not like old Powers Booth. Like nowadays, Powers Booth. I don't know. Is he dead? Probably. I mean, he yeah. was pretty old during Poltergeist, right? I think he just always looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> in the 80s, like he could look like that and just be a fucking old ass dude. Fucking eighties, bro. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins looks pretty yeah. much. You know what I mean? Like he looked like that when I was seven years old. Like what? So we'll call him a unanimous DEFCON 3. Zach, this is Crystal Palace. St. Norad has declared DEFCON 3. Scramble all alert aircraft. I repeat, scramble all alert aircraft. All right. Well, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. To the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming in last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Oh, I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming in last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. to be dead spent my birthdays in the trap we had to work with what we had she been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera and i don't need a hundred friends i just want a hundred bands a hundred jugs a hundred scams hey, hey. so i don't money grab the hundred hams 
Said I done money grabbed a bunch of And bitches. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the missiles Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental ay, ay. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie First you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. The good guy coming last place you Smell that dope when I pass by pass oh. I lay my money at a fast pass Say hello to the bad guy In the fast lane, let my money at a fast pace Look like a drag race, country up in my ashtray I'm in my bag, hey, good girl, bad face Slim waist and her ass fake hey, And she in love with the bad guy hey, But bad bitches never act right hey, She act up until that bag fly Did a turn around in one night Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.